Jesus was praying in a certain place. And after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for another friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And the friend answers from within, Don't bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there any among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Here is something I have learned over 12 years of ministry. A lot of people feel deep inadequacy, embarrassment, and even shame when it comes to prayer. So many people feel that They don't pray well, or that they don't pray the right way, or they don't pray enough, or they don't have enough faith that their prayers matter, or that they're just plain doing it wrong. You see, we've heard too many prayers full of long, eloquent phrases, too many prayers that are theologically airtight and precise to feel good about our own meager attempts. We've listened to the well-polished prayers offered on Sunday morning with gravitas and dignity, to people who pray with an intensity and a passion we cannot always match. We've been taught that asking God for things is selfish, and so good prayers better include things like adoration and confession and thanksgiving before we ask for something. Because isn't asking God for all sorts of stuff kind of rude and demanding? We've heard stories about legendary saints and refer to some people as as prayer warriors, whatever that even means. We've learned that so-and-so prays for hours every day. Can you believe it? Right, Bob? Totally. And we hear people talk about God speaking to them, having some sort of deep spiritual experience during prayer, and we can't help but compare ourselves 
and feel inadequate. And then worst of all, all of us have had so many prayers go unanswered that of course at some point we wonder and fear if we're doing it wrong. Six years, three months, and 18 days ago, I said what was perhaps the most important and certainly the most real prayer of my life. It was three words. I looked in the mirror and saw an exhausted, terrified face looking back at me. And I just said, God, help. Amen. And then I walked out of the hospital bathroom and into surgery, because after too many, too many, too many hours of unproductive labor and increasing signs of danger and risk from the baby growing inside her, doctors had to perform an emergency C-section on Annie in order to bring Penny safely into the world. Penny, if you think the children's chat was long. Three words. They were simple and bold and honest, and most of all, they were deeply needy. In this morning's gospel reading, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, and that makes sense. I feel like teaching people to pray is like the lowest bar you have to clear if you want to call yourself a legitimate religious leader. But they also asked because John had taught his disciples how to pray, So now we want you to teach us the right way to pray, Jesus. And I don't know what they expected to hear in return, but I doubt it was what they got. What Jesus offered them was so simple. It had no flowery language or frills. In fact, it's so short that it fits in just three lines in today's bulletin. Today we know these words as the Lord's Prayer. Many of us have them memorized and have said them countless times. This prayer has been important to followers of Jesus. These are words that we cherish to the point where we say them every week in worship. Have you ever wondered why we do that? Some people criticize liturgical worship, by by which I mean the kind of worship you'll experience if you walk into a Lutheran church or like an Episcopal church. They criticize it as being too repetitive, saying that it's easy for it to become rote and meaningless. And I understand what people mean, but there's also value in repetition, isn't there? Repetition creates familiarity and comfort. It teaches and then reinforces, and it helps the words and truths of our faith to burrow into the deepest recesses of our hearts, our souls, and and even our minds. At the last congregation I served in Pennsylvania, I would often visit with one of our members named Bobby, who lived in a nursing home. Bobby had been a member of our church for a long time before a stroke took away most of her cognitive abilities and, and left her bedridden and really unable to communicate much. To this day, Bobby is still the only person with whom I've shared communion by using bourbon instead of grape juice or wine. (laughs) 
It was the family's request. It was sacramental bourbon officer, I swear. And every visit was mostly the same. I would stand next to Bobby's bed and just try to be with her. I, I was never really sure how much she could understand me or make much sense of what was, she was trying to say back to me. But when it was time for communion with bourbon, something holy happens every time. Every time I'd start to say the words to the Lord's Prayer, and Bobby would join in. She remembered every single word and spoke them out loud with, with some clarity. The stroke had taken away so much. But this prayer, which she had uttered every week in worship, surrounded by other members of the church, it remains. It was inside of her, so deep down, reinforced by so many repetitions, that nothing could take it away. There are many things that make this prayer so compelling. But what I love most is that it sets the tone for our whole relationship with God, and it gives us permission to just be ourselves when we pray. Look at these words. We're all taught to be polite and well-mannered and to say please, but there's none of that in this prayer. There's no long section praising or complimenting or just straight up flattering and buttering God up. No flowery language. It just cuts right to the chase. And it's not subtle. There's no, well, you know, if it isn't inconvenient for you, God, could you maybe, possibly think about doing this thing if you want? This prayer is bold and brash and demanding. It asks God to do things without shame or embarrassment and without watering it down. God, your kingdom come. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sin. Help us with trial and temptation. And Jesus prays this way and teaches us to pray this way because he knows our relationship with God is best understood as a relationship between a loving parent and a child. I mean, think about how he starts the prayer with the words, Our Father. That sets the tone for everything that follows. And I know that the word Father is difficult for some people, that for some of us, thinking of God as Father feels more like a barrier than an invitation. But that's part of the reason why right after this prayer, Jesus talked about what good parents are like. Good parents love and cherish their children. They want to hear from their children. They find joy in meeting the needs of their children, keeping them safe and secure, giving them good things that bless them. And then Jesus said, if you humans who are, sorry to tell you, kind of rotten sometimes, know how to do this stuff as a parent, then imagine the kind of parent God is. With infinite patience, unconditional love, and boundless care. See, with just a few words, this prayer strips away the idea that when we approach God, that we're meeting as equals. We're not. If God's our heavenly parents, 
And that makes us the children. So Jesus encourages us to stop pretending otherwise. When we pray, of course, we have all sorts of needs and problems and requests. And we shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about them or to ask God for help. And in fact, we can do so with confidence and boldness, knowing that God is a loving parent who wants to hear from us, who loves and cares for us, who delights in us. This prayer asks us to acknowledge that we are needy people. It asks us to help keep God's name holy in this world, to be good representatives of God. It asks us to surrender our desire for earthly power, to forsake earthly kingdoms, and to instead embrace and hasten the coming of God's kingdom, which will radically remake this world. It asks us to abandon our own will, surrender our ideas of what's right and good, and instead seek after God's will. But this prayer is also full of God's commitments to us. God promises to be our father, our mother, our parents. And not just the best version of an earthly parent that we can picture in our minds, but rather one that's so good and so loving that it redefines the very notion of what a parent is. God promises to offer us forgiveness for the wrongs we've done, both the things we acknowledge and the things we cannot or choose not to see. And to use the forgiveness we experience to empower us to forgive others and to make possible the healing we need when someone does wrong against us. God promises to provide for our daily physical needs not just bread, but all that we need, and also the emotional and spiritual needs we have for love and acceptance. God promises to lead us, to guide us, to deliver us, to save us. What I hope you see this morning, if you're not too far gone into the heat, is that this prayer frees us from thinking that praying is about the right words or some magic formula. It reveals that prayer is really about God's love and goodness. It relieves any sort of expectations or pressure we may feel and tells us that God's just always happy to hear from us, is glad for any opportunity to strengthen our relationship like any parent with a child. It helps to get rid of any guilt or embarrassment or shame we may feel about the way we pray or how much we pray, and it just invites us to pray. When it comes to prayer, I think Jesus is a Nike guy and encourages us to just do it. Thank you. One person chuckled. I appreciate that, Caroline. There are so many things about prayer and God we do not understand. But we know this. Prayer matters. The words you have are enough. God is listening. And that is enough. Amen.